man don't know shit. I might not know shit, but I know enough. I might not know shit, but I know enough. You might call me dumb, but I have a lot of fun. I might not know shit, but I know enough. All right. Episode 29 already. I think it's episode 29. Time's just flying by. I'm super excited this afternoon. I get to hang out with my brother, my pal, Mr. Mike G. Mike Gasseldurfer plays on two stomp bands, plays with two stomp bands, sorry. Uh, the Beatdown and Boyd's, both incredible bands. Uh, check them both out. And uh, so I guess today we're going to be talking about drums. Drums, 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 and life, of course. And uh, yeah, man. So look, don't forget there's the uh, PayPal uh, link underneath this video. Uh, that's for tips and the Be A Producer program. Um, any tip, whether it's 50 cents, a dollar or more, and uh, you become the producer of the next episode. That's a straight up community style support, DIY, no ads, right? That's how we like it. So all that being said and done, this episode is brought to you by Mr. Sean Ryan. Thanks, Sean. Boom. You guys will remember Sean. He was uh, on the show a while back. He's a bass player in the band The Mahones. Still awesome. And uh, yeah, don't forget to punch the shit out of that subscribe button, slap that bell, and uh, let's get it on. Here we go. That's the shades. Shit. I'm dropping wine. I'm fucking... Holy <laughs> shit. I almost busted a bottle of wine. My brother, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm, you know what? Now that I see your beautiful mug, I'm feeling a lot better already. Cheers. Just making messes. Yeah, man, absolutely. Cheers, <laughs> man. My, my brother, Stu, gave me this flask, the Cayman flask. Hmm. What's, what's, what, in what's, the... Up with the, what's up with the little mustache there? What's going on with that? This is awful. Look at <laughs> this thing. Dude, this you is, can do a lot of things, but you can't grow a fucking mustache. This is nine months. <laughs> this is nine months, man. That's fucking awesome. How you doing, man? You hanging in there? Oh, I'm hanging in there. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you drinking? I got a little uh, amaretto. Oh. A little amaretto face with a little bit of scotch. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm yeah, doing it's... all right, too. I just smoked this bliff. I got a little Jamie in here. Got a little something, something here. You know, I'm so, doing all right. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah man. man. Hey, it's a fucking pandemic. What else are you supposed to do? Don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> no judgment. Fuck no, man. You hanging up with family? How's everybody doing? Family's good. Lots yeah, of man. time. Lots of time with my boy. And that's that's new and crazy. Well, I saw a video somewhere. I think of uh, your boy already beating on some skins. Oh yeah. What's singing that? songs he's like yeah he's hitting the drums a little bit i'm like no no you don't you don't want any of this man <laughs> you, don't, you don't want this man you're poor lady no. man she's fighting a losing battle because that kid's oh, gonna be it. so musical just like the rest of your family i'm sure oh shit oh shit yeah <laughs> yeah it's fun man ultimately it's fun music's fun you know yeah, man. Well, see, this is one of the upsides of the pandemic, too. I mean, here you are able to spend all kinds of time with your, 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 your new boy, you know, and uh, a lot in other contexts, you might not even have that time. So it's kind of precious as well, right? It's massive. It's massive. There's days, there's challenging days, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and I'm a new parent, man. So it's like, like, it's like, oh, yeah, the terrible twos. And then like, no one, no one told you about the fucking fours, man. <laughs> 
I saw you in a bar last year. What about those days? <laughs> fuck, man. It's like, I thought two, I thought after two, it like chills out for some crazy reason. I was like, no. <laughs> nah, no, man. Wait a- the handbook is wrong. <laughs> yeah, that is fucking off, man. That <laughs> so shit Mike, is off. I'm so yeah. happy to have you on the show because I don't know why. I have all these bass players and guitar players on here all the time, but I never had a drummer on here. So I figured if I want to have somebody, you know, for the drums, you are the man. I mean, Mike, you're playing. I don't know how you find the time for this, but you're playing full time with the boys. You have the beat down. You're also playing. And I've always played with all kinds of other people. And I think you're I don't know if you're still teaching drums or not, but you've done a lot of that as well. Done a lot of that as well. Yeah, teaching was fun too. Not so much right now. Uh, a little bit. I had a few students recently, but always music. Yeah, it's there, man. It's it's there. I'm so happy to play in those bands and, and fucking, yeah, so much fun. You know, it, it's so many people, uh, you know, just to be successful with one band, I can't believe it. But you're you're successful in two bands right now. And uh, like, I mean, you played with the Kingpins as well and there's success there as well. And I've seen you play with Lolo and the Magnetics and different bands as well. You yeah. know, I was thinking back to probably the first time we ever met. And this is why I'm talking about all the different bands you played. Do you remember when we met? I'm gonna, wait, I might know, man. But it's probably not, but I found this fucking thing. Oh shit. Was it April 5th, 2003 at Lex? Oh my or, God, that's going way the hell back. Hey, woo, holy trip shit. the off kingpins. Man, I know I, when I, we I met. I got a trip the off tattoo right here on my forearm. Still. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so when do we meet? I, could, I know when we met. I was just fucking around with that because I pulled it out. I'm like, hey, man's got to see this. We met at an audition. That's right. Yep. I was auditioning for Trip the Off like year 2000, maybe 99, 2000, 2001 or something. That makes Chey- sense. Cheyenne was on bass. You were there. I don't remember anything else. I played drums at the same, like right that before then I had auditioned for General Rudy. I have a I feeling that I really wasn't sober that day. I'm, I, I'll double down on that, man. <laughs> <laughs> because the reason I say that, there is a story behind this, is you're probably one of the absolute best drummers I've ever met in my life. Well, that's very kind. Thank you no, so much. And I, I mean that's, that just because... That we we played music lots of times since then t- together, you know. And okay. uh, but I remember, and this is why I say that I really probably was not sober that day because at that point we had auditioned a few people. All right, and I remember, you know, after a while there, and like you know, we're drinking heavily and doing all kinds of other things you should, probably shouldn't do. I remember it just didn't click for some reason at that point, right? And I don't, I I can't remember if I called you back or not. You even. called me back. I you did. Call oh, me. Fuck, I'm a gentleman. You called me two days later at my mom's house, but the thing is I had done that General Rudy audition. They said, you, d- you got it. I think it was after, and they're like, you got it. And then you call me two days later, and you're like, yeah, man, you're in. And I was like, uh, uh. So that was my, you called my mom. I'm happy to hear that, because in my, in my head, we didn't take you, but now I know the truth. <laughs> you know, you called me and said I'm in, and it was like, I, I can't, because I committed to, to Joe and Rudy at that time, you know? Yeah, I wasn't yeah, playing yeah. In, in many bands, or I didn't know about that, and like, you know. I just had Renee, on the, uh, Renee from the Brains on the show last week. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about how in the rockabilly scene, everything's so incestuous, and everybody's playing different bands. Well, ska bands too, right? So Holy <laughs> sh... <you Yeah>. know? <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's, it's all like this circle of stuff, you know? 
But there is a good reason for that. I was thinking about that whole thing because usually I try not to be a part of that. In fact, if somebody in my band wanted to play in two bands, I probably just wouldn't play with them because I, I'm a big fan of like, if somebody is a fan or identifies with a, a band, I mean, one of the things you're selling as a band is that, and this is not true for anybody listening out there. This is a real thing. I, I'm very aware of the concept that when you're selling a band, people watching you have this image in their head. And mm -hmm. this is where the, the non-truth is. The image in their head is that these people that I'm watching right now, this is their life. This is their everything. They are the most close brothers in the world at all times. And this is their entire life. For well, sure. we, we know that's not really true, but that's what you're selling. And I always had a hard time with like, you know, being in a band. And then if one of your members is in another band in the same scene or whatever, you're really affecting what you're selling. Well, that, that, that happened to me right away because shortly after John Rudy, I joined the Kingpins because mm -hmm. Lorraine heard me playing and she's, I would like to have you play drums. So, so like the beginning when I was starting up, a lot of people thought like, oh, the, this Kingpins, that's, he's not the original drummer. And, and I felt that from people. There's really? also people that were supportive, but it's like, I never came in to kick someone out or something. The band had come in, got to a certain point, didn't work out for whatever reason. Like, Boom Boom's the original guy. And then some people saw me hey, like, Eric. fuck, who, who's this fucking kid trying? And I'm like, man, I didn't know. Lorraine was just like, do you want to play show? My first show with Kingpins was the Warp Tour. At like 20, <laughs> 22 years old. So I basically go from my mom's basement to music school to like some general Rudy gigs. And then I'm playing Warp Tour. For like fucking 3,000 people. I don't know what the fuck. I didn't try. I didn't. Um, do you want to play this? Yeah, I want to play this. Fuck. Do you want to you want to go to Europe? Yeah. So there, there were people that were actually probably agitated by it. And, and yeah. I that was not my intention. But I know what you mean. I, I do know what you mean. And it's a non-truth for sure. But I understand. Absolutely. I understand being in a band too. Like Boyd's were in there. It's 10 years we're playing together. And, you know, we have that identity. And I, I get that a bit more now. And it's not an identity we're trying to sell. It's just these are the people we're comfortable with. And it feels we work with that thing and we like it. Well, that's it. And the fact that it's cool, too, because it's not the same scene or the same style of music, you know. And what I was really getting at, though, the yeah. really cool thing in this is I see why. Because there's a limited amount of musicians that do this type of stuff really well. Yes. So, of course, everybody wants to work with the best, right? You know, it's much easier. Like... I have this one thing that I always tell band members that I play with is that a band is never better than the drummer. For sure. It's impossible to be better than the level the drummer is at. Because no matter how good of a musician you are, that's still the beat. There's definitely some truth to that. Absolutely. Definitely. It's something I preach all the time. Because like, well, you, you know me, no matter who I'm playing with, they end up sounding like, you know, the, the sound I'm going after, you know? For sure. And, uh, but I have these realizations, you know, and, and they're all important, whether it's to the left or, or right, but it's something I feel very strongly about and why I, like I've written a lot of songs way back in the day when I was uh, playing with uh, Stu, my brother, right? And even just drum and guitar as a songwriter, I really like working with drummers, you know? And um, here you are, when I say one of the best, like, fucking mind-blowing i i love your i remember when you played with uh what's his name with the low low uh joe um low voice guy oh, um, bone, what, bones oh yeah, bone, yeah exactly and, yeah, and bones. your little stripped down kit that you i don't remember what you had exactly i was playing i was playing mostly with like fucking percu weird oddball percussion with him like gongs yeah. and fucking beer bottles and all kinds of trinkets and shit but it was like 
yeah, I wanted to play that kind of out shit. And I could, it's like, oh, there's an outlet for that, right? Yeah. yeah. Cause I've never just been, you know, ska. Mm-hmm. I didn't grow up, I didn't grow up with ska. Gate, you know, reggae was my gateway to ska. Yeah, yeah. So then no, it's it like- makes perfect sense. So, so, so then you're like a kid and like, oh, you're, you're just a ska guy. I was like, wait, wait, no, what the fuck are you talking about? I could, I wanted, I like to do that crazy shit over there. And I don't you love album. when when somebody ever says like, "Oh, you're just something." Isn't that like usually the point when you want to give them a fucking elbow? <laughs> you know yeah. I mean? you're just. <laughs> it, it bothered me so much when I was younger because I'm I'm a metal kid. Yeah, yeah. I'm a I metal too, kid. Man. Absolutely. I grew up on metal. Up. I had long hair. I was into Metallica, but I was also into Bob Marley. That was my entry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so I'd play metal all day, and then guess what? I'd also chill out. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I don't know if I do that. Yeah, you know, and then play some reggae. So it's always like, ready, man. Always ready. There you go. So it's like <laughs> it was like metal and then reggae and that groove. Like it, it just hit me. The reggae groove hit me. But most mm-hmm. people get in through reggae. They don't get in through Scott, at least in my opinion, and from like talking to a lot of people. So so when someone came up to me, like, oh, you Scott. I was like, fuck. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm Scott. It used to bother me. Now I don't give a fuck because I actually love the, the music. I'm full circle with it. Well, you know, and that's what comes down to is, you know, it's just fucking the love of music and the love of playing music, Man. you know, and all kind of th- things like that. The really cool thing about the Bones Malone thing, that, that was my my first chance seeing you where I saw like the really the creative side that you have. And this is something I want to touch oh, on because today you're playing in Boyd's. And as far as punk rock goes, the one thing that I love about those albums is what a creative fucking band. I mean, Andy, Patrizio, and yourself are three extremely creative people. And it's one of the first modern punk bands that I like. Because I'm not a fan. Like, I mean, it's hard to say I'm not a fan. I'm a fan of rock and roll and I get into it. Fan but, you of, know, yeah, for sure, man. Like, I, I listen to Bad Religion and stuff, and I fucking love them. But at the end of the day, even rhythm-wise, maybe a little bit of wah guitar, a little bit of leads. All the chords are the whole way through. And that's cool. It's what it is. But you guys are bringing it back almost like late 70s, early 80s. I would say probably even more early 80s. Uh, punk sure. where it was starting to be more creative. Man, these albums you guys are putting out are fucking mind-blowing. I love it. Wow, that's so nice. That's, that's so nice. True. That's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. It that's really cool to hear. I would say, but it, yeah, I I think that's it. We get together and we talk about these things. We're we're all we're, look, man. We're music nerds. I'm not. I didn't grow up in the alleys and all this shit. I'm a bit of a music geek. I understand all that that stuff. I respect all it. That's the beautiful thing about these scenes. All these people come out. You know, some people are. You know, gutter punk. Some people are nerds. Some people are this. Like, what the fuck? Every, let's go, everybody. Come on, let's just put down this shit, these walls, and like, that's that's my feeling. Now let's be creative. So, so the creative process is fun, you know. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't. We don't want to write and be like. I, I remember that with the ska world too. It's like going to those shows in Europe when you're young, and there's a bunch of skinheads, and I had no idea about this skinhead culture. For me, a skinhead was a certain thing and only one thing. You know, there's the right, there's a left. And so, so we'd be playing ska. And I'd be at these squats in Switzerland. There's a wall of skins in front. And like slowly, slowly they're like, you know, and slowly would unravel. And I'm, I'm like, this is great, <laughs> man. This is like, what is that? You know, and everyone's, uh, you know, anti-racism and all these beautiful things. And those are all amazing things. But then when, when it comes down to the music, sometimes it's like, well, it's gotta be that. So you're, you're so free in these thoughts. 
and everything's accepted and it should be, but then the music's got to be like this. That fucking makes no sense to me. Yeah. At least to me. So I get what you're saying. And I like that. And that doesn't mean uh, whatever boys or whatever, like we're, we're breaking down the wall completely, but we do like that, that, that creative fun side of it. Where, no, you know, I'm, happy, I'm happy to hear that. And, and you are so yeah. right. Like a, nothing bothers me more than purists of any Fuck, form. Man. I'm not even talking ska, reggae. I'm talking purists in general as a mentality. I don't like the mentality. Same way I don't like flag wavers. I ain't no fucking flag waver. Right. You know what I mean? But uh, purists, it's like somebody invents something one day. They didn't want everybody else to be doing or copying or doing exactly the same thing. Music is meant to travel. It is meant to evolve. It is meant to have different flavors. And that's the fun of it, especially in ska scenes. I, I find that a lot. Like, you know, there's some people that I love, you know, that live in Ottawa and that I love greatly and dearly, but it's all about the purists all, all the time. I don't fucking chase the past. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I hear you. I'm in that, you know? Mm -hmm. It comes for the, it, it's the love of the music and that's it. And all the other, so, you know, you can find yourself in those scenes and it's just like, what the hell? How come everything else is accepted everywhere and then this is, has to be this? Fuck, it doesn't make yeah, any yeah. sense to me. That, but at that was the same time, one yeah, of the reasons I, I had a hard time starting up is because I was always <laughs> trying to do things way different. You know what I mean? And then it gets to the point like, oh, you're not, you're not one of us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, if that's your attitude. I don't want to fucking be one of you anyway. You know? That's it. That's it. <laughs> but coming back to the Boyds, man, I, I listened to the last couple of albums there and I, you, all the influences are so clear you know what I mean? Like, I, I love the way you, you guys are bringing in like 50s doo-wop into the punk and, and different things like this. And, and it's sure. fucking beautiful. What's the, the song, like songwriting process? I mean, here you are, three very strong character and, you know, inventive musicians in one band. How does the song, uh, songwriting process in a band like that work out? Yeah, interesting. Great question too for like all bands, right? How does it work? But it it kind of changes album to album. Like for the first album, like the way we met basically is we're outside of like a, a dub or a reggae rehearsal. And we're like, hey, we, we all want to play in a loud band. We need to have that thing. That's how it started. First album was pretty much written fast. Andy had a ton of stuff that he had. So like a lot of the songs were really written, like the, the, the bulk of the songs were done lyrically. And, and then we put our touch on it. And of course, we refined the music a bit, but like a lot of the blueprint was done. Mm -hmm. So it, it came out pretty fast. We recorded with Renee. Yeah, uh, De La Muerte, super He was fun on the last episode. Yeah, so f really fun experience, and he, he got it to sound really nice, and that came out really, you know, we, there was a bit of anger in there and stuff that we wanted to play, because we're like, you know, playing a lot of reggae and ska and all that great stuff, but it's like, no, we, we want, we all wanted that. It was all right in our soul. So that was the first album. Second album is like, okay, then you get some touring with that stuff, and then it was like, that one was like a bit more rushed. We felt like we had to do that album, and it, it came together fast. A lot of blueprints again from Andy, Pat, uh, Dennis. Mine is more on the drum side, like the writing side at that point. But like we write the music, but you know, the bulk is kind of there. And then you put yeah. touch and you listen. And on our last album, like the second of four, a, a lead guitar, like Dennis, Dennis left the band and moved to Toronto. Hey, Dennis, if you're listening, we love you. Duck yeah, neck. Um, you know, uh, and then all of a sudden you're in a trio. Um, holy shit, that changes the whole ball game. Mm -hmm. And then we really switched over there too, in the sense like Pat took over more of the singing. He wanted to do some singing. We all felt that was cool. Brought in a lot of the songs. Uh, we worked some of the grooves. 
And that, that's basically what we do now. We'll, and, and we go to, we go to our boiler room and we play and we talk, we'll, we'll play. And it's like, we like the democratic approach, meaning, okay, you got an idea before we but like, so someone's got an idea. I could be like, no, no. Or we could be, well, let's fucking try that idea. Mm -hmm. Let's play yeah. it. Maybe we're going to record it. Maybe we're going to listen to it. And it's then we're so gonna cool come to talk about this because the dynamic in a three-person band, especially it's, in your style, style of music, it's really cool. It, you it's know, there's awesome. something about that whole triangle trio of things. As soon as it gets any bigger than that, it's hard to have that type of approach. Well, some of those ska bands, you know, you're like eight, nine people, yeah, right. man. <laughs> well, five of us like it, four of us don't. Okay, the five win, I guess. But then that, it's all this interband shit, you know. Right. And then, so with three, it's like, it's always like this... Sometimes it's unanimous. Sometimes one person's like, well, and two are like, well, okay. But it's never like, this is fucking, we try not to operate like that. Yeah. Although you do need, you do need like some yes vibe. You know, there's gotta be like, yes, I think sometimes you gotta be determined, stick to your point. But like, we like yeah. to do it in a, you know, non-confrontational thing. We could be cool, stubborn. Like, it's cool what you're saying. Like, you know, like say Andy brings in the frame of song then everybody yes. plays inside it. Uh, for, for me, uh, that, that's pretty much how we operate too. I find that's the most, um, most productive way yeah you know what i mean to start from somewhere but as a three-piece so it, it, it's just like i think there's more possibilities for creativeness when you have one guitar player as opposed to two type thing um, we yeah yeah the second we were like into a trio uh and then it was just one guitar and we played the songs the old way mm -hmm. like as if there was a fourth guitar so it didn't work so it's yeah, yeah. like now we're at a point where like okay we get it pat really worked on his uh on his tone, he got the guitar sounds, but so it's like we were, he worked on that sound and we're at the best point where we've ever been, where it sounds like a trio. It's so much fun. Yeah. And you're not writing is. like, okay, we're going to put in that solo there, you know, or it's different. We got to make it feel good from us three before we move ahead. It's like, what's going to optimize this groove? What's going to that? And we borrow from the reggae ska world too, in that sense, like it's, we want it to feel good. We want it to feel dancey. Wanted to feel something, you know, mm -hmm. and that so now, so that, that's what I mean. The writing process evolves. It's like now we're writing at a point, like we said the other day, we're like, shit, what if we really write the album like ground up, you know, where we don't have lyrics and we don't necessarily have the room, we're, we're really jamming more. So we do mm -hmm. that. We record ourselves, we go home, we listen to it. Hey, I like that. I like that. Cool. Let's put it together. But it's so much fun. That's my favorite thing to do with music. That's Always has been. Awesome, the man. creative, the writing. And you know, how do you, like, how do you hear music? You know, so everyone hears it differently, right? Like mm -hmm. K-Man's listen to a tune. Maybe you're going to hear lyrics and guitar first, maybe. Or yeah. maybe you're going to hear drums and rhythm. You know, what are you going to feel first? What are you going to hear first? Different well, remember, drums. in communication, there's two sides of communication, right? The side that's sending and the side receiving. There you and go. One, one does not control the other. No matter what you do on the sending side, you can't guarantee how it's going to be perceived or heard, right? That's it. Uh, it, it's interesting stuff for sure. Now you were also playing with the Beatdown, one yeah. of my favorite fucking, you know, uh, Canadian reggae bands. There are fucking. You guys definitely have your own sound and busy as hell. How many al albums have you guys made so far? I well, there was the first Beatdown album. I mm -hmm. was not on that, but then I came in shortly thereafter. So I did Walking Proud. Yeah, yeah. We did a seven seven inch that came out. You never know. I think that came out on a Spanish label. And then we did the Beatdown Me Too Go Moody. And there's another one in the can. 
Uh, I don't know when it's coming out, but it's changed that, again. It's evolved. That's what that's the one we're interested in. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> so what's up with that? Like, do you, or are you guys just waiting until all this bullshit is done, then decide? There's a bit of that. I think you know, Alex had some kids. <laughs> right, right. I had a son. Then hey, the get time... some cable TV there, Alex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Away, Alex. To see album. <laughs> I love it. But, but, <laughs> But it fucking changed too, right? Because Joe Joe left the band, so then you're mm-hmm. then you're in a situation, and then but then by offshoot of that, Alex brought in the dub station, so that's kind of where we're focused. That we love playing in this new setup where it's like I'm there, Alex is there. We kind of do a dub battle, and I love playing with Pascal as well. He's a fucking groovy motherfucker, and absolutely, it's like ten years we're playing with each other. Ten years, so like you say that that scene, we're, we're all we're all there. It's it's beautiful. It's incestuous, like I said, whatever we play there, but. Man, there's loyalty in it too, and I do like that aspect of it, man. So, mm-hmm. Ten years, I'm playing with the guy. Ten years, it's like that's crazy. You know, I didn't realize it was ten years already. Don't even talk Shit. about stuff. It's just like exactly. like we talk. You know, you'll have great conversations, then you go playing like this is like the it's like a nice fluffy pair of slippers, man. This is so <laughs> the good kind, you know. Like yeah. Well, okay. So be, be, before all this success and playing with all these successful bands, I mean successful on a creative and quality measure. I'm not talking about how many people are there, okay? But they are fucking successful bands that play in front of huge crowds, of course. I, but that's really not my, my focus. But how did you start out playing drums? Like, like yeah, take us back a bit. Like, what got you playing? Oh, wow. Such a cool question. My, my, my fam- I, got, my, I would say my family's fairly musical. Mm-hmm. So, like, music was always there on that side. What got me? I mean, my dad. My dad was the campfire... We're around. He's playing uh, BTO. He's playing Nashville Cats. He's playing the Love and Spoonfill, all that kind of stuff. And then, I, 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 uh, I think at the Serbian church where I was baptized with my mom, there was a blue drum kit downstairs. I remember seeing it, a blue sparkle. I was really young. And then at one point, I started to want a kit. I told my dad, "I'm like, I'm getting a kit." He said, "Yeah, we'll, we'll get you one, even if it's made out of calf skins." That didn't happen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then, you know. And then, I, you know, my mom's, no, so fuck it. I said, fuck it. I got a, a newspaper job. I was delivering the Montreal Gazette, and I bought a red sparkle Japanese kit for 300 bucks. And you know what? I knew you'd ask the question, K-Man, so I'm going to give you an interesting... Oh, wait, wait, hold it up to the camera. Uh, oh, my God, look at that sexy young There's guy. There's my there. red sparkle in the garage, 1990. Yeah, <laughs> 1990, eh? Wow, that's 30 years ago. That's it. So that's kind of where it started. And then fucking, I got into rock. I got into metal. My family was beautiful. My older sisters, you know my sisters, man. Yep. Like, hey, so it's fam. Like, hey, fam. You know, music's coming through the walls at this point too, man. She tears us into punk rock and Motley Crue. I got Metallica going. Liz had in sync at one point, then moved over to the rock world, you know, and we, we all we rocked out. So Metallica, man, Lars, you know, everyone yeah. knocks Lars, but fuck it. I'm going to defend Lars right here on K-Man. Don't know shit. Well, you know what? I do know a little bit about something. One thing I gotta say about you know Metallica and their drummer Lars, you know, you can be technically great, okay? And maybe there are some people that can play faster, tighter, follow a click more. But the one thing that he has that a lot of these other metal drummers uh, don't have is that he had vision at the start with the whole new wave of uh, heavy metal coming out of uh, England. You know, exactly. that's ba- basically on all the smaller bands and up all the way up to Iron Maiden and stuff like this. But he is able to exactly. write songs 
And he's the one that organized. He's able to write songs. songs. Exactly. He's able to recognize riffs. He's yeah. able to put together all that stuff into this fucking cohesive masterpiece for the first four albums, let's say. Five, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Like, and how many drummers, you know, it's an interesting drum question. It's like drummers, like you read a lot of magazines, like, oh, I'm looking for my identity. And it's like my sound. And it's like, I'll, I, I can put Lars Ulrich on the street over there. I'll line up a hundred other drummers and you're going to know that's Lars Ulrich. Sorry, you will. Some, someone's going to say, oh yeah, it's because he sucks. No, I'm going to say his sound. Listen to his sound. I could tell who that is. I know but he also, he also had uh, two other things. One is that he played in an unconventional way. The, like if you listen to their first video they ever did, which was one, and the, one. the drum stuff uh, going on in that, it's yeah. memor memorable. He's writing parts, not just you know uh, playing. And the other thing that people tend to forget is when they started, what are they basing it off of? There was yeah. nobody like that. He was right. inventing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that it, it, to me is worth more than just, you know, the guy that's the best on a click track. <laughs> oh, dude, it's, it's not even, it's, you don't even, they're not even on the same scale. Zero. Well, that's it. Close. So here you are, you got your, your red sparkle going on. You're a kid in 1990s starting to play drums. Like, did somebody show you, teach you a bit? Did you just play to records? How, how did you get started on it? I uh, played to records a lot. So, I, so I'd like, go down like my mom's house what a what a treat super supportive drums in the basement fucking metal kit cymbals everywhere double bass drum saturdays sundays were drum days all day i take apart my drums i polish them put them back together i'd have buddies from school uh, two mexican twins used to come over alejandro and, and jesus twin brothers and we'd be like okay let's try to play blackened it's like, this is going on and my mom's upstairs, dude. Like, <laughs> I'm living in the suburbs and we're trying to play Metallica. Well, you, you know, know what? So. I, that brings us to one so. thing. I think we should give a shout out to all the parents that Holy put up with shit. their kids learning rock and roll Please. in the house. Yeah, man, thank you. This is not, I'm, I'm talking about suburbs, like fucking neighbors that complained once over all the years. You know, I remember my neighbor calling me. He's like, bro. Could you not play today? I just got my wisdom teeth pulled out. I'm like, no problem, Petro, no problem. And you know, but they were super supportive, man. So you probably played anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. Yeah, no problem, so, man. So what was like, like okay? So here you are, you're 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 downstairs. You got your red sparkles on. You're playing by yourself, listening to records and stuff. When did you make the skip to playing with other people, and how did that work out? Oh shit, yeah. Uh, it started in the in the basement, made high school band. I auditioned. They said, if you change your attitude and your thing, you can make this the, the band. Because I was a bit of a troublemaker back then. So I fucking auditioned with the double bass drums. Like, I did that for like two minutes and then you're in. The other drummer who auditioned, like, smashed himself in the eye with his stick, man. So I was listening through the gym doors and this guy comes out with like, his eye was all mangled. I'm like, what happened? like, I hit myself in the eye with the stick. And I remember that nervousness. I'm like, and then I'm like, I think I got the, I think I made the band. I think I made the band. So high mm -hmm. school band, that was great. And then, and then it morphed. And then I went to Seattle to my dad's, who's a musician. We built a drum proof shed. I practice all day. And then I came to music school and that's kind of where it started. I joined General Rudy and then Lorraine came and said, Hey, would you like to play with my band? And that's kind of like the ska scene is kind of my real intro into playing in bands and with people. And starting right, right, right. That, that so makes like sense. 
that was that was the real thing other than that like you know there's always like little jams and shit but like really playing in a band and getting in a van and going to a show mm-hmm. yeah that was my my real real time so was you, you got your this... fundamentals down in in music school i did like before that i was self-taught so like i, I played for like three four years by myself like i'm gonna figure out this today it's slow down albums you know i think every mm-hmm. drummer maybe musician i don't know how it is in guitar world all the time but drum world, yeah, we like, don't lot... we don't worry about playing the right notes yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> who gives a shit so it's just like learn parts myself and then I, I i saw i started taking lessons with this teacher in montreal this guy aldo and i saw he was in the drummers collective in new york so then i'm like oh maybe i'm gonna go there and my mom was like ah new york you know 18 so then uh, that's it. I went to my dad. I went to college, dropped out. I said, fuck this. This is not what I want to do. Took some time away, worked. And then went to my dad's, practiced every day. Had some lessons at that time. But then once I got to music school, it was different. Mm-hmm. And, then I, and then I started more with bands and with people. And although I did have a, a band with my dad, that was my first real band, Five Stories High. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's what it was with called. Your, with your dad. With my dad. Yeah. That's amazing. You know why I'm saying that's amazing, right? Because I can relate to that. Of course. Of course you can. Yeah. So, and those are great memoirs, like playing shows with my dad. He'd have like this, he'd play keys at that time. And he'd have like a jogging suit of like a keyboard, like this super cheesy thing. His buddy (laughs) Bill was next to me smoking medical. (laughs) You had some of this medical, man? I'm like, medical? What do you mean? Oh, shit. And then the garage door opened and we're playing at a Halloween show. And my dad's there. I mean, this is fucking epic for me, man. That's awesome. Yeah. And so then when Ska. You... And then Ska. And then Ska. <laughs> yeah, man. Then, well, then you get into school. And, and, and you're learning. For a drummer, okay? The, I, want, I want to get into it a little bit now. Yeah, sure, right? man. For a drummer. What are some of the first things you, you believe every drummer should learn or how should they start learning? Like, like what are the fundamentals they should try to get down or figure out at the start to make their life easier in the future? Like, like, like physical stuff? Yes, like physical beats, I mean, rhythms, hi-hats, snares, whatever it is. Because I think, you know, a lot of people that do start out listening to records, it is a great way to start out. But I, I have feeling a lot of people could save a lot of time with a couple of little fundamentals at the start, right? I think so. But I think for me, what worked, man, is listening to all the stuff. Mm-hmm. And then not just being a metalhead, because that's what turned me... Take, absorb everything you can. Listen to the ska, listen to the reggae, listen to some metal, listen to this. If you don't like it, just be like, okay, cool. And if you like it, you take what you, you can. So, and listening, listening, man. I was like, shit, is the drummer just doing this cool fill to be cool? Or is he reacting to somebody? Or is this, so like listening, that's one. But you don't mm-hmm. know that when you're 20 because you're full of energy and you want to impress people and you come on, go. And you have this energy and you got to go. So you got to pass through that anyway. Don't you love the 20s? That's where you think sex is like a race and you try to come first. That's it, man. You know? <laughs> and, then you're, and then you're 40 and you're like, you know, fuck, I want to start the car, man. I just got to start the car. <laughs> man, I kid, I'm kidding. Fuck yeah, man. <laughs> I love you, brother. Wait, cheers. Cheers, wait. Where's, oh, where's the car, man? Where's the car? Oh, shit. Fuck, it just got towed. <laughs> no, God, shit, car's gone, man. But... <laughs> That's it. Listening, absorbing, man. Absorb all that shit. And then the physical stuff, like, yeah, for sure. Like, you're going to learn rudiments. You know, on guitar, you have, you have your chords and all your stuff. What are, what are the rudiments in drums? 
well, like single stroke rolls, you know, okay. right, left, right, left. So you're going to learn, like every drummer is going to pass through that kind of stuff, the fundamentals and the book stuff and the, you know, paradiddles and, you know, these drum world talks, you know. I, like, I remember paradiddles, isn't that like, pa 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 Yeah, exactly. Like that, right? Yeah, like right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left. You know, build that up, things like that. But like, yeah. Or, or when you're playing in a ska band, are you gonna, like, how useful is that? Wow, man, that guy, look, look the band's like, like you know, so, so listening's gonna tell you like, well, fuck, do I really need to play that? No, like, so you're having these brain things. So your brain's going, hey man, maybe, maybe throw in that cool lick, man. You got, yeah. And the other part of your brain's like, yeah, do you really need that? But it takes the time to realize what the hell's going on, man. Mm-hmm. Because when you're young, you know, you want to sometimes throw out all the stuff you're practicing, but then you go out and play a gig and no one really gives a fuck drumistically. Yeah. Unless, you know, they want it to feel good. So, and that's where, that's where listening in, because that's where sometimes it's, it's going to cement, it's going to make sense, you know? Okay. So it's, you're like doing a, show- it's, a, it's like a Bruce Lee thing. It's like, yeah, you have the claws. Do you need them all the fucking time? Do I have to show <laughs> you everything? Can I just have that knowledge? And, and ska and reggae really, there's a, there's a restraint to it that I love. That, and it's hard to just groove and not do shit. It's mm-hmm. almost, it's harder to do that. It's so Absolutely. hard. And how do you get there? Listening. So like all the technical stuff is, is great. I love it. I'm a drum geek. We, we, we could talk about that for days. But at the end of the day, that, that feel, that's what I'm going for. That's what I've that's what, been what my, my favorite. You know, favorite, favorite things in music. And I try to explain this to drummers all the time, especially drummers usually that are really good and uh, sometimes do a lot of fills or are constantly on, you know, like always trying to do something that one of my favorite things in music is when there's a band change with zero drum change, you know, and it just kind of steps. It's but that still goes. That to me is one of the coolest things that can happen in a song. I'm not saying to play like that all the time or anything like For that. For sure. Either. But man, I love when a change goes unchanged on the drums. It just gives it this impact thing. It's like the whole music, because the rhythm's staying the same and it's going, but then the music goes going like this, but the rhythm's still the same, you know? I fucking Hard. love it when that happens. And like, I was listening to one of the old Marley albums where I, I think he has two drummers or at least one drummer and a hand drummer as well. But neither of them, you don't hear one cymbal the whole freaking song. I know. You know, I, like people are over playing cymbals, I find a lot. You're 100% right. I'm guilty of it. I'm, it, it it's been a conscious thing of mine mm-hmm. to try to chill out on there. And it, it, it's, it's, yeah, for, you're 100% right. All drummers are guilty. It's like, fuck, I got to change every track. We're going to hit everyone. And wow, yeah. holy shit. How do you well, not do that? Well, you that's know? it, right? And, and it's so cool. It makes the, the, the music sound tough. I mean, James Brown is another, you know, example. Mm. Sometimes they'll do that where the drum is a straight line. So, I mean, here we are talking about Bob Marley and James Brown. What two bands groove or musically are more together than them? They're on the top of the top, both of that's them. That's uh, top you know of the mean? top right there. And you listen to the drums and they're a fucking line drive. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's crazy. And that though, both those bands really affected me a lot. No matter what style of music I'm playing, if I'm playing punk rock, they've still affected me a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> You're damn right. So I often try to give this message to drummers I'm working with. I'm not saying that I don't ever want you to do anything else, but to keep that in mind that sometimes I like to do that, you know, because I, I always find 
as a songwriter, uh, working with a drummer in communication is so important because it changes everything. And especially on a cool level. I'm not even talking music, but on a cool level because it makes a difference. If I'm doing writing a song this way, it, it really does uh, change the entire song the way the drums are played on it. You know, I'm not Oops. talking just the rhythm either. No, but you're right. Uh, it's such a good point. That would be a great point for drummers, myself included, everyone, musician, whatever. It's like, I remember a drummer, he did a clinic. I think it was Omar Hakim. Go really like a famous drummer. Mm -hmm. uh, he, someone asked him like how he warmed up and it was like, uh, I play a groove for 15 minutes. And then he did an example at this clinic where he's like, and it was so funny and really effective, like poignant. He's playing the groove and he's talking to his drummer. He's like, yeah, you know, you want me to hit the crash cymbal right here, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not, oh, he goes, but I'm not. And he kept playing this thing. After about four minutes or three minutes or even maybe two minutes, you're, you're moving, you're moving. Mm -hmm. But drum brain gets you sometimes, right? It's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to hit the cymbal. Like, but no, yeah. what if I don't hit the cymbal? What yeah. if I don't do that role? I'll tell so you like, what the, I'll tell you so what how do the what you if navigate is. that craziness? And it's like, as a, well, as a fan of drums, the what if that you're talking about is, okay, if I don't do it, and what if I do hit it? Well, you go two minutes, but then the moment that you do hit it, man, it's going to stand out like crazy, right? And absolutely. that's the, the what if. Absolutely. And then sometimes too, and yeah, 100%. And then sometimes too, it's like you could be watching the drum and you could you feel that he's thinking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a minute, just feel the groove. And you know, I'm gonna hit like so that that that's what I realized as I get older. It's like shit, you could feel all that intent. Mm -hmm. It's not just fucking notes on a page. Intent, man. What's your intent here? That's and that's tricky to navigate. I think that's the beautiful fucking the world, the drum world, the music world, whatever, you know. It's like, oh shit. Absolutely. Where's my intent here on this song? Where's my drive? Where's my? You're good. I love watching you live. I would. I feel like that. So I get your James Brown approach because when you're playing, it's like there, and I like that. That's. And you don't want James Brown to turn around and point to you. Everybody thinks it's hot, and they usually clap. But what he's really doing is he's finding you. He's finding you. Five bucks per mistake, or was it twenty? I don't I, even know. I can't remember exact. But whenever he points and the crowd goes crazy, they're like, "Oh, that's hot!" No, 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 no. No, no, no. Five, <laughs> five bucks in nineteen sixties—a lot of change, man. It's like but no. I, I was saying the other day that my that my favorite show. I, I was on put on the spot, and I had to say what my favorite show was. It was James Brown on St. Catherine Street for free outside. Me and Stu were right up front there. Best show I have in my life. It wow. was fucking an amazing. Wow, wow, wow. Mm. I remember hey. reading. Check I remember this out. reading about that. I'm just taking a sip of this whiskey and I just had a flashback, bro. Where oh, you, you're with me. You were subbing in on a weekend of tour up in uh, Gaspé, okay, in northern Quebec. And <laughs> when I think of you, I, I've told this story to many people since then, okay? But one of my favorite Mike G stories of all time is this. Oh, here we are I know. Lo loading out of the venue. Mike's got his snare drum here. And he sees these girls or these people sitting down with a whole tray of shots. So he looks at the shots, takes a snare, hands it to the person. So her hands are busy now because she's holding the snare. Then he takes oh, yeah. their shots, there, then takes the, the snare and we walk out. And that's how we left that club. Man. I, <laughs> I knew what you were getting at. Do you, know, do you, do you remember that show? Do you remember that? Do you, I remember that show vividly. I'll tell oh, you why. Oh, yes, I do, because of ACDC. Because it was Les Talons Jaunes or something. It's like that small, 
and we get there and this fucking ACDC blast. <laughs> That's right. Like the live album, live in Melbourne. They, they had just got it. They got the live album that day and all they wanted to do was listen to ACDC Listen to ACDC. And then all of, about us. <laughs> all of a sudden, like, so then it's like, okay, uh, jouer maintenant and ACDC comes off and then fucking what happens? <laughs> they're like, see? And then it was like, they're just waiting for fucking ACDC. They were like, ah. I remember because Patty Taylor, after our set, went to put on the agri lights, and then somebody just walked over and wiped no, it right off and put that's back right. on ACDC. Oh, those, those shows are hysterical. Every band's been through those, right, man? Fuck yeah, but oh, that's definitely one that I won't forget for that. That's for oh. sure, man. It's fucking hilarious. Um, you got and, and to teach... What's that? Yeah. No, no, I was saying by the same token, when you have those great ska shows where everyone's there, and they're ready yeah. to dance. You're like, this is the best thing ever. <laughs> no shit. But it's you know like what? built in. You it's wouldn't like realize how thing. great those moments are without the other moments. You know, you would just think that's how it always is. So to really feel good, and this goes for almost anything in life, you need to have the smooth and the crunchy, you know? You, you got, you're going to pass by those shows, you know, all the young musicians. It's like, you got to be <laughs> flexible. So that's the other thing. Be flexible. Yeah. Drummers, or drummers, music, they think they're hot shit and then they get on tour. And I've seen so many people that can't hack it. Not because they don't, they're not good musicians. It's just like, fuck, one night you might sleep on the floor. Next night's mm -hmm. a hotel because you got a good deal. Then you're in an eight hours in a van. Man, if you could be flexible and mind that, but you're going to pass through that. Fuck, not everyone's you yeah. too, right? Well, that, that's where, you, you know, you separate the, uh, the dogs from the pups and I'm a dog. Is it now? Yeah, man. Absolutely. What is it if you want to run like the uh, if you want to run with the dogs, can't pee like a pup? And that's pretty much how yeah. I run the band, you know. <laughs> go, 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 go! Well, fuck yeah, man. I mean, you, you're talking about sleeping on floors and fucking cat piss everywhere. <laughs> Thank you for giving us a place to stay for free, but man, I can't sleep in cat piss, you know. <laughs> I knew uh, I uh, one turning point where I'm like, I got experience here is when I played a show in Buffalo with the beat down, and it's just like play the show, whatever, cool. And it's like storming, and we go to this guy's house, the promoter, and he's like, yeah, you guys could stay at my place. We go upstairs. The heating was like on forty, and he had like four cat litters full of cat shit. Oh, so I called the place Cat Shit Sauna. The second I got right in there, I'm like, I'm going to sleep in the van. When you choose van over lodging, you're like, okay. And that's okay. And you're going to have those van sleeps. And it's pouring rain. I think Pascal joined me or I don't remember who. Maybe it was Joe. And then Alex was like, yeah, fuck, man. I was sleeping and there was like a centipede and like all this cat. I, I could not. So, you know, I chose van, man. Dude, there's so many times I've chosen the van as well for many reasons, including coming down. You know what I mean? Like, That's it. <laughs> there's lots of reasons to sleep in a van. That's for oh, sure. Yeah. I live uh, in a van. Like down by, by the by river. The river. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go. I need to get a drink here. Can I refill shortly? Got this one. It's a no problem, man. All right, so here we go with the plain packaging. What, what, how much THC did we say was in it's this? 21. 22.9. Jeez, just to give you an idea, the uh, normal range I find is between like 8 and 17 is a really strong one. But let's check it out. Illegal <laughs> weed rules. That's not, that one's not medical, though. <laughs> no, but it'll get you. <laughs> Self-medication. That's fun. Rock on, people. I'm asking all my guests to do these days is I want one guilty pleasure and three albums that everybody should listen to.
Oh my god. Oh my god. On the That's spot, tough. brother. Yeah, man. The reason I started doing this is that uh, one of the great things about music is sharing music, right? Damn right. I mean, I've been li- January has been my rush month, so I'm going to say rush 2112. <laughs> Something like that, anyway. <laughs> Dystopian future, discovering an instrument, opera. I like it. It's good for the winter months. So rush 2112. Uh, you need some jazz in there. You got it for, so for those days, you know. Kind of blue, Miles Davis, too obvious. Yeah. but I know, just maybe. got a vinyl of uh, Thelonious Monk solo. Man, yeah. my favorite jazz, I think, out there. Oh, it's phenomenal. Is Fucking that the one amazing. where he's in like a pilot costume on the cover? Like with the, the yeah, air? it's like blue and white, I think. Yeah, yeah. Or so brown. Good. I can't remember. <laughs> I just said blue, white, or brown. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's probably one of, You should hey. check out the. Oh, his cover for Underground is the best. <laughs> what else? I don't know. Also, Fela Kuti. I just got into the, his drummer. Anything by Fela Kuti right now with Tony Allen on drums? Oof. I came to the party late to Tony Allen, but this guy's a loose, tight rhythm machine that oh, you'll love it. You say James Brown and he's, it's amazing. Hey, you can't say James Brown. You got to say James Brown. <laughs> James Brown. Let's talk about That's music. It. <laughs> yeah, man. James, and guilty pleasure. You're in your car. You're on the highway. Nobody else in the car. An album that you enjoy that people wouldn't believe. Oh, my God. I have the, uh, oh, so that's the other side of my youth is the fucking 92.5 FM in my mom's. Uh, I, uh, I got a whole drive playlist of 1980s sentimental ballads. I'm talking Eternal Flame by the Bangles. I'm talking <laughs> Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. Hey, that's a good song. Don't diss it. No, time it's not a diss. Time. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> It's like, would I blast it? You know what? I would blast it. What else is on there? Drive by the Cars. I got uh, Alone Ooh. by Heart. How oh, do I get yeah. you Alone by Heart? That's a guilty pleasure. I fucking blast that shit and I sing. So basically, I just understood that you have a whole side of guilty pleasures. I love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, it stops at Michael Bolton and Celine Dion, probably. Together? Yeah, yeah. Imagine, Imagine they, the babies they would have. Oh my God, <laughs> Michael Dion, Mich- <laughs> Michel Dion, Bolton. Of course, he would have her family name at the after the wedding too, right? That's right, Michel Bolton Dion. <laughs> That's it, this key. Mike. I fucking love you, my brother. Hey man, don't know shit. Could you? I'll dub see that? you real soon, man. And by the way, I just remembered it's your round next time we see each other at the pub. I got you. As long as you hold my drum seat, I got you covered, man. Nice. He believed me. <laughs> Peace out, guys. Love Stay you, man. Cool. Woo! Boom! 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 Boom!